Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Eric Geyer, and with me today, I have the social media famous pharmacist, the Cynical Pharmacist. So welcome to the podcast, Cynical Pharmacist. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, anytime. You uh, you post a lot of stuff online that people might see it as like controversial or being a little harsh, but really, as you described when we were sitting down with this podcast, it's like a dark humor or gallows humor because that's a lot of the ways that we have to survive in community pharmacy these days. Would would you agree with that or what would you say about that? It's a coping mechanism that we, we have to have. It's people are rude, people are mean. It's a profession. Honestly, the only way to survive is to uh, to have an escape and Honestly, it's that type of humor that a lot of people will find. We deal with bad things all the time, whether it's death, whether it's really sick patients and, and everything. So it's it's absolutely a coping mechanism. But if there's anybody who's good at it, uh, I learned it in college. It's uh, definitely pharmacists and pharmacy students. Yeah, I think that we have to, like you said, to get through. I know I've done that before and make jokes that are probably not PC when I'm at work just because, you know, you're like, you had such a frustrating day. It's like your only way you can kind of get through it. And in my new role, I don't, I definitely don't do that as much or anything like that because but again, totally different role. So we wanted to get together on here to kind of discuss community or retail pharmacy and in like an open and honest dialogue, because I have since kind of stepped back from it. You're still, if I remember correctly in it, or, but you've had a lot of experience in it. So we really get the professions is where we spent the bulk of our careers. So what do you think is the biggest issue in community pharmacy these days? Honestly, it's it's the working conditions, and it's not not just how we're perceived by our bosses, but perceived by the patients. It's an open pharmacy. We've all had the comments where anybody can walk up at any time to any open window and just yell a question. Hey, I just have a question, and they yell that at you. So it's, if you followed a couple of the posts that I had, uh, the one, actually Facebook tried to censor this post. I got a notice yesterday. <laughs> they tried to censor it for not conforming to their community standards. And I, I petitioned it and they said, sorry, we made an error. You can put it back up. And it was the post where I wrote, you are going to die. And the first line of it was, I'm going to kill you. The reason being the pharmacists and the staff face so many distractions in the course of a day that it is impossible for us to focus on your prescription that I'm checking at that exact moment, whether it's, it's phones ringing you know, it, I can't even come up with a great example, like a mom uh, being pulled in different directions, you know, by a set of septuplets or something. It's, <laughs> there's always something going on. It's, it, it, but, but, you know, seven is a great number. My, my boss the one day came in and he asked me, he stood behind me, like right behind me. And he's like, what's wrong? And I said, nobody's counting any prescriptions. I said, we're, we're however far behind. He's like, well, why not? You, you have four people here. That's your staffing for the day. I said, okay. I said, let's, let's do a world tour. Stand behind me. I said, look at the drive-thru. I said, lane two, woman dropping off a prescription. There's a technician there. Lane one, doing COVID test. She's locked up. Drop off, tech number three, taking a prescription. Tech number four, she's doing pickup. She's ringing somebody out. I said, I'm standing here talking to you. So here's a question for you. How many people are answering the seven pharmacy calls right now? Seven. It says seven pharmacy calls right now. You can hear it, right? You, you can hear it. He's like, yeah. I said, who's counting prescriptions right now? Because all four of them are occupied. He's like, well, nobody. I said, for two and a half hours, I've had nobody counting a prescription. I said, so you want to try to explain to me how this is getting done? I said, plus, the next person in line wants a shot. 
COVID shot, single shot, which you're promoting. You're doing a great job of promoting them. Let me tell you that. Kudos to you, corporate. But how am I supposed to give them? I said, so I can't focus on this patient's prescription who is standing here right now. I've read it seven times. I, I made the uh, analogy. I said, imagine that you're in a bar watching a soccer game. I said, the crowd's cheering every time a goal goes off. I said, and you're trying to read a book. <laughs> How many times did you read that paragraph? Because the guy behind you also has to go to the bathroom, so he needs you to move your bar stool in. The bartender asks if you want another drink, and by God, you definitely need one. But what exactly did you read? I said, that's your prescription. I said, this is the problem that we face. And, and I know you're going to ask me for a solution, and my, my comment on that was going to be, it has to be has to be mandated by somebody, states, APHA, whatever it is, has to go to bat for us and say, look, if you have a spot where a technician can be, it has to be manned. Two drive through lanes, a drop-off, a pickup, a counting station, and if you're going to have seven pharmacy lines ringing in, you got to have people there. You know, I always thought that, that we did a disservice to patients by opening the drive through for what it is now, but the fact that there is not somebody stationed there all day long to deal with that traffic McDonald's does a better job of doing it than us. You know, we, we should take something from them if we're going to be fast food. It's it's funny you mention that because I know I had district managers before has told me, I always want someone man the drive through They can help grab a front. I'm like, okay, we can do that. But then someone calls off, which happens quite a lot because let's admit technicians aren't paid yep. the most. So if they need someone to watch their kid or whatever it is or they're sick, especially since they are frontline workers who are getting coughed on all year round 24-7 when they're working – you know, now you have somebody who has to be pulled from somewhere. So they have to take care of the patient, you know, the quote unquote customer facing side, if you want to call it that some people use, but then that you're pulling them from somewhere else, whether it be the phone, whether it be typing, whether it be filling prescriptions. And most of these places are so razor thin on their budgets that, yeah, you're, you're literally having to pull them. And I had a similar thing happen where the regional vice president of Walgreens came in and it's two days before Christmas. We had a foot of snow up here in Cleveland, Ohio, and him, the district manager, the whatever the heck other person in between them is, my store manager, they're all standing behind me. And I'm answering two phones at one time, working two computers while trying to grab drive through and the front counter. And after 15 minutes of just talking behind me, they go, we can see you're busy. If you ever need anything, just let us know. So, of course, I told the guy, you know, I was like, hey, I need you to go answer that phone then. And he looked at me. I'm like, no, really, go answer the phone. And then he just walked out. I'm like, well, if you're not even going to help me, like what's the point of even asking a question? So I'm sure you've experienced that too, it sounds like. Right. That was the thing. It's, it's my boss spent the year and, and his boss, whenever he asked me what was wrong, he's like, what do you need? I always ask for more help. And he said, they sent an email out that said, what do you need help with? That isn't more tech help. That was, that was a clarification that they put on there. It had to be a qualification that says you cannot ask for more help, but what help do you need? And I'm like, I'm not sure how to interpret this right now, but, and a fun fact about that is if you, you crush train all your front end employees, Walgreens and CVS do a great job of cross-training their front-end employees. Fantastic. You can go help out in the pharmacy. I love helping out in the pharmacy, said nobody. But here's the thing. My budget is, we'll call it 200 hours. I use 200 hours. I'm behind. I don't have enough help. I have all the people there. Nobody called off, but something happened. Now I've got to call a front-end manager. I timed it one day in a 15-hour day that I worked. I timed it. I used eight hours of front-end help. <laughs> they came back and they came back over the course of, they do a half hour stint, a 45 minute stint at the lunchtime rush, the dinner time rush, the, the AM rush while I was getting shots or whatever, eight hours I used of help. But when they looked at my help, they're like, oh, you were spot on budget. Huh, no, 
I used eight extra hours that was unaccounted for. They don't go into my budget. So I'm using help that they're not seeing. So they don't think I need the help, which then of course means that my budget gets lowered for the next yep. quarter. Cause they're like, you could do it with 200. You can do it with less. No, I was doing it with 208. You know, and that was just one day, eight hours, just that one day. Yeah. They don't see it. Well, and to your point too, and this is kind of goes back to your earlier point where you use the, the post analogy of I'm going to kill you, quote unquote, like I hate looking at it that way, but errors do happen in pharmacy. So hopefully they're minor. Like that's why we're well trained and we know our job, but you know, stuff does happen for better or worse. And there was a comprehensive survey by the Massachusetts board of a pharmacy of registration. I think it was in pharmacy either way. They looked at how many prescription errors were cited by pharmacists themselves as like what was the leading cause to it. And the pharmacist actually cited too many phone calls, insufficient time to counsel patients, overloaded busy days, too many customers and patients slash patients, lack of concentration, because like you said, you're being pulled seven ways, no one available for quality assurance, uh, staff shortages, lookalike, sound alike was way down there. So like we're talking like the ones that are actually professional issues are like number six or seven on the list, followed by illegible prescriptions and misinterpreted prescriptions. So almost everything that was the leading cause was due to staffing or lack of other support, to your point. Do you think that that's pretty reflective of what you've experienced? Absolutely. It, somebody comes in. I had it uh, yesterday. Somebody came in. They were in a rush. I need my medication. First thing in the morning, you told me to be ready today. I'm trying to do it. I get a phone call asking why their stuff wasn't ready. The other guy's still yelling at me while I'm talking to somebody else on the phone, and it's just me. So I'm like, one of these prescriptions is going to have a mistake. And I told the guy, I said, I'm trying to get your prescription put correctly and deal with another problem. He's like, I don't care. I just need my stuff. And that's just where I am now. But at CVS, it was magnified at Walgreens at Rite Aid. It's magnified because of the openness of, of all of these pharmacies. And it's, yeah, my problem with a lot of things, just to, to sidetrack over to that was the computers. Um, seen a study a, a number of years ago about computers and how they're in there to help us stop a lot of these errors. But, the comment I made was if everything is a red flag, number one error, mm-hmm. then nothing, nothing is a, a level one severe contraindication. It's not. And that's how it was. I'd get these stupid things that were just, that made no sense. This conflicts with an antibiotic a patient had a year ago. It's her birth control. I know she knows it was a year ago. The methotrexate and folic acid uh, warning. You had to type in <laughs> a comment every single time methotrexate and folic acid were dispensed together, which is every single patient. Yeah. And the problem with that was your bosses, because they have nothing better to do, would send you an email that said, you are not allowed to type in, quote, because as your response, you must type in a full sentence. <laughs> I'm like, because every patient on methotrexate on folic acid. I'm like, but that's what we had to do. They wasted their time telling us how we had to override things that shouldn't be override. And they're also not pharmacists. Um, So, yeah, that probably doesn't help, right? Yeah, and and that's just it. So instead of clearing up the the programming, instead of clearing up the software, instead of making the fixes where they're supposed to be, it's one more burden we can add to the pharmacist. Yeah, I can handle so many phone calls. But, you know, from the shot, and I'm not against the shots. Absolutely. Everybody who reads my stuff, everybody who knows, knows I'm 100% pharmacy-based approach to everything. I'm, I'm, I'm there. That's not my issue. My issue is the scheduling of them. My issue is how they they want us to walk ins, not blocked times, no no overlap to accommodate them. The thing somebody sent me the other day that said uh, CVS is taking back 
their extra pay for the technicians who got licensed to administer vaccines during the pandemic. We're going to not allow them to do them anymore as we enter flu shot season. And possibly and possibly that, COVID that, round two. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, somebody who is out of touch, that statement by CVS shows you how completely out of touch they are from the reality of pharmacy right now. They don't even know what their pharmacists are supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, one of the things that's kind of, we were talking about like some of the errors, like you said, and like, hey, because of all this burden, right, like it's going to cause issues. And the computer systems sometimes don't help that and all of those type of things, right? So one thing I want to throw at you is, do you think there should be like a state reported mandating of any and all errors? Because I feel like that, that would be a really good way to expose this. And some of the data that I've seen really shows that CVS and Walgreens, who are the two big chains, are really the ones that probably have the most errors, but we're also not getting a clear picture of it because, yeah, they report them internally, but they're not reporting them to the state. And the state's not, they may at least not in Ohio where I live and work, but there's, they don't really have a good picture of what type of errors happen because there's no mandatory reporting of it or anything like that. Do you think there's a way to solve that? Yeah, actually, um, you sent me the uh, notes on this, and, and one of the quotes I wrote down was, who watches the watchman? Mm-hmm. We are in charge of watching these medications, watching these prescriptions, making sure everything is correct. And I think back to my uh, brief flirtation with CVS, anytime I had to report in there, I had to go in, You know, had to be done by the end of your shift, whatever. I had to go in, and I had to fill it out. And every single time I filled it out, there was a question that said, what contributed to this error? Yep. And I would say distractions, too many phone calls. We'd, we'd pull video to look at what happened. Things were basketed together, bagged together, or somebody recently grabbed something that wasn't completely done. Whatever the story was that caused it, we had to write it down. We had to document it. There's no feedback from corporate saying, Okay, here's the breakdown. We have seen that X number of whatever are caused by too many phone calls, pharmacists are reporting. It's caused by distractions. It's caused by something. There's computer error, computer malfunction, whatever it was. There's no way for us to type in something else. But there wasn't a breakdown. That that data go in and don't come back out. Yeah. Previous employers, previous employers I had would, I would send the data in and I would get an email the next day from district manager and it would say okay i see that this happened it was due to a training issue or it was due to a software issue or whatever you know one please address this with your team two please address this you know with yourself or or with that particular member please fix it so this doesn't happen again and i could tell you at the, the one place i had i people ask me now why i do things the way i do so for the 20 years or so I've been practicing, I can tell you that every single one of these instances has led to me changing how I practice pharmacy. Which, and is, that's, which that's, is a good that's thing. Your adaptability. Yeah. It's adaptability. You have to adapt and change it. So when people don't like the way I do it, I'm like, there's a reason I do it this way. And we have to. We have to learn from these mistakes. CVS and Walgreens don't give us that to learn from. So, you know, there's ISMP. We can report all these things, but Nobody takes the time to do that. I think CVS and Walgreens should be forced to have some type of error reporting and accountability. We need somebody independent, somebody who's going to report it. Should the state mandate it? Yes. There are states out there right now that did pharmacy workload surveys. I know Ohio was one of them. Yep. Because I reported on it not too long ago. There are a couple other ones that are having them 
in practice, they're doing their, their reports right now. So why don't we take all those states' data? I forget how many pages. I read that Ohio report somebody sent to me. It was hundreds of pages of comments from pharmacists. And it was great Call if you through that. that. I will link that in the show notes for you people know. too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing reading. But call through that data. Take a look at what's causing it. Have the state go and say, you know what? Where'd you work? Was this at CVS? Was this at, at Rite Aid, Walgreens? Who was it? Where did these errors occur? What's the most common theme to it? And how do we address it? Because that's the problem is, okay, these errors are occurring. And as sick as I am of hearing the mouths at CVS and Walgreens in the media say, our first care is patient care. No, it isn't, because if you did, you would fix the problems yeah. well, that and, are out there. And to be fair, you know, any corporation who is traded publicly has a right to their shareholders. Like That is like what their goal is. And I think that we see that more and more now because we're finally at the point where those cuts are being made, and the cuts are no longer being made close to the bone. They're being made into and through the bone in, th- in cases like this. I agree. But at what point do your shareholders say, huh, if um, if we start killing people, that's probably a bad business model. Um, <laughs> Slightly, you know it. it but it, it it it's cynical. Go figure. But <laughs> it's true. I mean, how many of these underreported errors have led to mistakes? Yeah, that have led to life threatening errors. Yeah, okay. It's it's they crop up in the news every once in a while. But if you're forced to report them and say there's a trend here, we need to address it. Let's look at the greater thing. My honestly, my my favorite piece that I wrote a couple years ago was close the pharmacy. We don't have to be open. We, we don't have to be 40 linear feet of counter where people can shout and yell at us. We, there's no reason we can't be set up like a doctor's office where you walk in, check in, I have a prescription to drop off. You drop it off to the secretary, to the technician who's there. She scans it in, processes it. Okay, go have a seat in the waiting area. We'll call you up when it's ready. And then all the work happens behind the action, behind the scenes. Behind mm-hmm. closed doors. Yeah. Pharmacist is interrupted. I can sit at my computer. I can call I can call you. Hey, I got a question on this person. Have you have you ever seen anything like this? There's a concern. I can take the time. Other countries. Other countries comment on my post all the time. They're like, Oh my God, you give save day service for something that's <laughs> other than an antibiotic? They can't believe it. Everybody in all these other countries, Germany, England in particular, I know have, have mentioned this. Patients walk in, they drop off their prescriptions, they come back the next day. That's, that's, that's an American expectation versus other countries. I would love to have the freedom and the time to spend on everybody's prescription like that. It would decrease the number of errors. We're not open. People aren't yelling and shouting at us. There's some phone, you know, our phone triage systems 20 years ago were designed to answer the calls for us so people could do automated things. Now the problem is it got created as, why did you call me? Why did you text me? I don't know. That's the point of texting is so that you will read the text and not have a question about it. <laughs> So the technology has sped some things up for the company, but it's hindered us at the store level. And that's that's one of my concerns is that there's nobody at the store level saying, here's what's going on. I always equated this. I love analogies, as you can tell. But um, we're fighting a war overseas, whatever it is, wherever we are, whatever country we're in. Let's go back before we had technology. And the troops on the ground are being told, I want you to go take that hill. And the guy is like, Nope, bad idea. I, I can see what's right in front of me. I don't think we want to do that. Guy in Washington, D.C. is like, no, 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 seriously. You need to go do that right now. Because ah, I think this is a bad idea. You know, That's corporate. Yeah. Corporate is sitting from far from somewhere telling us what we should be doing. And we're sitting going, 
yeah, that's, that's really not going to work. I, I think that's a bad idea, and this is going to hurt us. So they don't even listen to, to, to what we're trying to tell them. But if you had a reporting, we could compile the data. How endemic is this? How pervasive, how prevalent across the entire country is this problem of medication errors, of distractions? So the states that are doing this right now, and I, I know Ohio has a committee, I believe that they're putting together after that, you know, I want them to be able to say, let's get something out of this. Let's look at what the other states have. Let's figure out how we fix what our pharmacists, what our professionals are telling us, our highly trained, well-educated professionals, what they're telling us. And a lot of it just goes back to, like we said, a lot of these things are just distractions that are built into like the, the workflow process, if you will. But it goes to mental health, right? There's too many things that are coming at you for you to possibly do the one core thing right. And as we talked about before leading up to this episode, Simone Biles has obviously hit like a lightning rod of mental health in numerous ways. But for the most part, people support her because they realize like, look, she's doing stuff no one's ever done before. She's the best there ever was possibly in, in the sport. And if she lands wrong or spins, you know, 10 degrees too much or not enough, she could snap her neck. Like she could just be absolutely like laid there paralyzed on the floor. And we all respect that, that your mental health is completely tied to your performance in something like gymnastics that you really don't think about it. Well, it is in pharmacy too, because if you're stressed out and you have distractions and you can't read the prescription, right? Or you are having to do it 15 times to make sure you're right because you're a nervous wreck or whatever, that mental health spills directly into what you're doing to take care of people which obviously, unlike Simone Biles, you probably won't you know, harm yourself in this case, but you can harm other people, which is going to be worse. And then you know, it spills back on you, and now you possibly ruin numerous lives, not just your own. And so I think that's really a key thing that ties in here and that why we need some, some sunlight on these dark corners of prescription errors. And, I mean, unfortunately, as a pharmacist, I don't like seeing them, and I, you know, we're always quick to say, oh, I didn't do that. But we really need to be open and honest of, okay, I did I do this? Look at it. Like, hey, how did this happen? And really break that down. And like you said, these number of states that are reporting on this, the data is coming back pretty clear that what type of set- setups are not performing well for pharmacists and then leading us to not perform well for patients. And is is that a good analogy for what you're alluding to? No, absolutely. And that's, that's perfect. Yeah, because you, you've got the mental health that plays into it, so you've got fatigue. Um it's your mental fatigue from trying to check the prescriptions with a ringing phone. I can't tell you how, how many people will complain about that. You go to a place that doesn't have a ringing phone and it's, wow, this is quieter. This is calmer. You know, I had a conversation earlier about trying to study in college. I said, I had to leave all the distractions behind. I went to the library. Yep. I spent hours in the study carol at the library because I had roommates. I had friends that wanted to go do something, watch TV, play video games, do whatever. I had to limit that. I had to go and find that quiet place, put the headphones on and just, and just shut out. That's, that's how your, your athletes, um, during the Olympics all prepare. They get into the mental and physical well-being. They get in their mental zone. Yeah. If I'm going to do something and it's going to harm people, why can't I be in that perfect environment that I need? It's not how we're set up, but yeah, it's, it's, um, the states have, what is it? Ohio has Emily's law. Is it? Yes with the hospital issue. Uh, so all, all the techs have to be licensed. That came as a direct result of an error. They investigated it. They figured out what happened. All the techs have to be certified now. So why did it take that to get there? You know, and it's, it, it happened. It's a great law that we have. It, 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 it sucks. That was the result of it. But what other things are out there? Why are we waiting for that next catastrophic moment 
when we can be proactive. I mean, if you look at, not to sidetrack into the pandemic, I'll, I'll dip into it briefly. So we all knew, you watch the history and you see the things, there was something coming and we should have been prepared for it. Um, so Fauci right now is saying we need to start preparing vaccines for the future possible pandemic or, or whatever might happen next. We need to get ahead of the curve. We should be doing that with airs. Yeah. We should be looking at what things are, are causing right now. Let's get ahead. What is causing this air before we find out that it's catastrophic, that, you know, the CVS system that didn't do the, um, the check first uh, still boggles my mind that, that you didn't check the hard copy before you checked the drug. You checked them at the same time at the end of the process up until about three years ago. I can't fathom that it took them that long to make that change. Yeah. Like if you have to change something and send it backwards, sending anything backwards results in an error a large percentage of the time. And it's, they didn't do this until three years ago. My mind was amazed when I saw that. So why are we thinking ahead and trying to figure this out? My, my other issue when you talk about that, my suggestion for any of the states looking at that is the software needs change too. If they're, if it's error prone and we know it, why are we going after the software companies to have them fix things that they know are errors? Preloaded SIG codes that doctors can't figure out how to erase. You know, drugs that let you select a drug and strength combination that don't exist. Um, you know, things along those lines. So these are all, all things that we could be proactive on, but instead we're going to wait. We don't, cause we're not going to look at the data, but we're also going to wait and see, well, nothing's happened yet. So let's not do anything about it. Terrible. You know, and a lot of things like this I've seen have led to pharmacists where we start getting very short fused with the, the help around us at times. And I know I've been guilty of this as well. And where you keep seeing errors or you keep seeing problems and, you know, you tell somebody, you try to get them to fix it, then you start fixing it. And, you know, sometimes it just builds up. And by the time you've hit like your 20th catch of the day, you're just like, look, I need you to fix this crap. And they're like, gosh, you're kind of short with me. And you're like, because I've been, you know, just dealing with these things all day. And I just literally don't have time to have a full discussion with you about it. You know, like, and it's, it's pretty frustrating as a pharmacist when you have to, when that happens, not only for you, but for your technician as well, just because you have now had like a mini mental breakdown because of the amount of things that are being thrown at you. Mm -hmm. And I always say it's like a hockey goalie, right? Like their goal is let nothing get by them, but we all know it's going to happen. It's, it's just the more errors that come at you, the more stuff's going to come flying by. And I think so many times when you look at a sport like hockey, maybe not as much with pharmacy, but they'll look at hockey and say, oh, that was a bad goalie. Well, how bad was their defense, right? Like, you got to look into this. Like, was was there, were they playing, like, all forwards and no one could play defense? Like, what was the situation that allowed them to give up five goals or the pharmacist to have five errors happen? If you have pucks flying at you all day, you're going to let something go by. It just It's the inevitable facts of it. Absolutely. You know, I, I coach soccer, so I've got 11 players. And from, from kids growing up, I'm like, they're, the goalie would be upset. And I'm like, 10 other players – you know, the ball made it all the way through. You're just the last line of defense. And it's absolutely accurate. Hockey, same thing. You know, hockey analogy, it's like every time something comes at you, you're, you you take one of the pads away. Take the big goalie glove away. Take the mid away. Take yeah. the stick away. You know, take the face. All of a sudden, the goalie's presence and the thing is, is now diminished. There's a whole lot more goal open yeah. for you to score on. And to con- continue having the same conversation, I've got one tech makes the same mistake. I could tell it's always whatever time of day, an hour before she's going to go home because she gets fatigued. 
I could see she starts making that same mistake on three or four things in a row. And we have to talk about it. It's like your kids. You know, you got kids. You're like, go clean up your room. I will go clean up your room. I did go clean up your room. I will. You know, after the 20th time, you're just like, <laughs> all right, I'm tired of this. You know, the kid's in trouble now. So you lost it. You're upset. You're mad. Um, and you've got you've to reconnect. So their kids, you know, they'll get upset. They'll cry. They'll figure it out. They'll, they'll do whatever. You know, the people that you're working with, not so much. You're like, man, yeah, you're short. It's like, yeah, we shouldn't have to be having this conversation, you know, 10 times in the course of a day. Um, you know, fix the problem and move on. But for me, I want the flexibility to rotate somebody. If I'm at CVS and I got four technicians, I can't really rotate them. Yeah. Because you've got the point where you've got a data entry specialist, a drive through specialist, or you've got somebody from the front end coming in who's a cashier. Your cashier can't type your prescription. So I've got to go with the fatigued technician. So yeah, you're you're both kinda kinda you know, stressed out. You're both kinda worked out. That that that's just a bad recipe. Yeah. So we're gonna start wrapping this episode up for listeners just because I don't wanna make sure this is like this isn't a complaint fest. We're just trying to bring this up so that people can think of other things to make a change and hopefully reach out to your state board or the pharmacy about what you think of some of the things we discussed on here or what you think could be, you know, a solution. And if you share it with me, I will be glad to do everything I can to help get it to people I need to get it to no matter what state you're in. But especially if you're in my state of Ohio here, I will do that because that committee they have started is amazing. And somebody asked me this. No, I am not on it, even though I try to stay up with the board stuff as much as I can. So cynical pharmacist, if you could change one thing in pharmacy that isn't a law, what would it be? Honestly, what I probably what I mentioned earlier, I'd, I'd, I'd close the pharmacy and have it not be as open. We're professionals. You, you can't call, you can't call a law office and speak directly to the lawyer and get his opinion for free. You can't call your doctor's office and talk to your doctor. You can't even get your doctor to call you back. <laughs> you know, we've, we've provided these services for free for ever. You know, that's, that's one of the best, selling points, but when you look at how the pandemic affected us, uh, I mentioned before the, the start of this about how nurses had all this recognition, you know, for their fight during the pandemic and their mental health and, and no breaks and, and all this other stuff. And pharmacists was just kind of cast to the side. You know, I'd, I'd want something to where we can get our profession changed from just being fast food back to being retail professionals or real professionals. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And in fact, all all the pharmacies that I currently am overseeing do have that set up. One's a little bit more of a hybrid, but they like that because they do have that little bit of, I don't want to say barrier, but that little bit of a wall that they can kind of keep some of those distractions away. And, and I like that. And I always make sure to kind of encourage that just because I like the setup and the things that you alluded to. If you could change one law or add one law in pharmacy, what would it be and why? Uh, I'd, I'd want us to have the ability to report on anything in the state without fear of reprisal from our employers. I don't know about Ohio, but state boards of pharmacy like to distance themselves from policing pharmacy. We are here to protect the public, not tell pharmacies how to operate. And I I really think there's, I really think that's wrong. If the practices of business of any pharmacy puts patients at risk doesn't that mean that you're you're at the wrong end of the dog you're, you're looking at this backwards if you know that you're you're going to go into a cvs or a walgreens and a patient's life is at risk why can't you change that i, I really think that the focus is backwards i think they should be able to take complaints and 
force the pharmacies who do practice. I mean, we have laws that say if you're going to practice business, whatever it is, in our state, you have to obey these laws. I mean, you have to be licensed in the state if you're at a mail order facility to send drugs to that state. There are things they have oversight for them. Um, I just think the fact that it's not a law and they distance themselves and, oh, yeah, the boards of pharmacy are loaded with CVS and Walgreens people. I think that has to change, too. Yeah. The makeup of the board, you can't have a corporate affiliation. Can you be a pharmacist at that store? Sure. I can be a pharmacist for Walgreens and I can sit on the board. That's not a problem. Can I be a vice president? No. Can I have any of those affiliations? No. Do we need more non-pharmacy people? Uh you know, that, that's a possibility. I'd like to have them make up a segment, you get a group of them, and they, they get together and they have a vote. But, no, something has to change with how the board is practiced. Instead of just a general law, the states are all going to be different. They're all going to interpret stuff different. That's that's. But I'd like to see the better oversight. Yeah. I know in Ohio we do have one, like, non-pharmacist who's on the board. And it's really interesting sometimes to see their solutions that they come up with or answers they have or even questions they have just because they – don't understand it or have been on the front lines in the same way. So that's always something that I think is kind of cool. But I do like the fact that you called that out too. And I agree with everything you said leading up to that point. So um, listeners, uh, if you can share this, I think this is a very like interesting topic when it comes to pharmacy because we talked a lot about errors and not just the mental health issues. But I think it's a very timely thing that has been going on for years and been under talked about in just in pharmacy, but in healthcare in general. So uh, if you want to reach out to Cynical Pharmacist, he's on Facebook. Literally just type in Cynical Pharmacist. He's got tons of followers, and I think your picture is that of Cartman, if I, if I remember correct. Yes, the current one is, yes. <laughs> yeah, the current picture that he has up there is for Eric Cartman from South Park. So, um, But, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, Cynical Pharmacist. I appreciate your insight, and I, I do like your dark humor a little bit too, which is why I follow your page. <laughs> I do appreciate it. Thank you. It's, uh, it's one of my specialties besides you know pharmacy. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, that's no problem whatsoever. But hey, listeners, if you can, like I said, share this, give it five stars, leave a review or comment just because it'll help people find this episode, this episode specifically. But as always, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.